Google has over 92% of the global market share for searches, culminating in over 7 billion searches per day. They built their business on reliable search results, and their position in the marketplace is well-earned. Business has become dependent on the search results driving business, but now Google allows some political ideology to influence search results. We can only wish for the days when people were punished for crimes they committed. On the internet today, and the nation for that matter, punishment can be doled out for not doing something, as businesses can be devastated if it is not perceived as adequately woke. In today's episode, we'll stay clear of the politics behind the issue and instead speak to a solution. This is not a newfangled solution with an unproven history. Now, today's topic is based on a method with hundreds of years of provable success. Welcome to the Business Buffet Podcast with Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. This is a conversation in and around business with a pinch here and a sprinkle there of anecdotal stories. Like most buffets, we will offer the staples, you know, the things that are in every buffet, the meat and potatoes with a cursory helping of veggies. Our Business Buffet podcast aims to give you the fundamental principles and strategies any successful business needs to know. Please subscribe to the Business Buffet podcast wherever you download your podcasts. We hope you're hungry as the Business Buffet is open and ready to serve. Now, here is Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. Welcome to the Business Buffet. My name is Ed Bejarana and with me is my friend and podcast partner, Phil Anderson. Say hi, Phil. Hi. Okay, that's enough. Jeez, it's very difficult to get a word in edgewise with this guy. I let him back in the studio a few weeks ago, and ever since, he's just been a chatterbox. Woo! In all seriousness, how are you doing, Phil? <laughs> so, how many words do I get to say how I'm doing? I never limit you on how many words. Oh, Ever. beautiful. Ever. Uh, yeah, chapter one, I know. So, uh, doing great. Fantastic. Uh, last, I'm, I've had fond memories going all day today because last Friday was National Pizza Party Day. And uh, you knew that, didn't you? I'm 300 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid question. Uh, yeah, had a taco pizza. It just seemed like the best of both worlds. Love Mexican, love pizza, combined them. I was just thinking fondly about that. And with all this stuff going on, we also have restaurants opening up last weekend too. Did you and Kay go to dinner Saturday night? We sure did. Well, not night, but yeah, we sure oh, did. Beautiful. Well, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take when you guys go to dinner? It depends on whether it's an all-you-can-eat. Two-hour two table turn is not something that, yeah. that's something restaurants aim for. Yeah, two hours, I'm just barely getting through the uh, appetizers. That's right. That's right. Uh, doing great, doing fantastic. It's, uh, boy, I tell you, just a lot of a lot of stuff happening these days, isn't it? It, it is. You know, I, I keep hearing clients, they're, they're talking to me, they're asking me, you know, what do I do to get my website found better? I mean, I'm sure you've struggled with, some clients that it just seems like their website will not rank. What, what do you tell them? So my opinion is there's no one thing you do and, and call it good. Now, if you have a ton of money to throw out something, I think you could probably go one or two things and know you're going to get seen. Most of my clients don't have a ton of money, so they have to spend wisely and efficiently. 
what what I tell them is a number of things. You should have great, first of all, write blog post. That shows activity on their site. Make sure you're using the correct keywords, the right titles, and do your research to make sure the content that you're writing is going to be seen by the bots out there, right? That's one. And do that consistently. If you're going to do it twice a month, do it twice a month. If you're going to do it more than that, actually do it. Commit to doing it. But I love once once a week would be fantastic. If you can actually write two or three blog posts in a week, whether it's you know three, four, five hundred words, that's fantastic. That just keeps your site moving. And then of course, social do well on social gets people back to your site. There's a number of things people can do, but it starts with you know not just putting your site up and then walking away, right? Right. Okay. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't think it's a it's a one thing you do. I, th- I think that there's a number of things, and it starts with committing to keeping your f- site fluid. Don't just put it up there and walk away. Well, and that's kind of the point. Okay. So we build a website, and going back 20 years ago, when HTML was still being worked on, invented, yeah, you build a website, and if you're there, cool. But blogging didn't exist. Now in a competitive world where there's billions of web pages. You have to have fresh new content, and blogging is is a great way to add new information to your website. The challenge is, you know, and I've built over 2,000 websites for clients. The challenge is it's not very many plumbers or electricians or, for that matter, small business people have the time it takes to blog. Or the tools. Or the skill set. Yeah, right. You know, they, they struggle with just keeping up with their business, but the message isn't lost and it's going to be directly applicable. I think to what we're talking about today, in order to rank your website, you have to do stuff in order for that website to be seen. You have to put content that Google is then going to display in different search results I'm saying it like this very specifically because I'm going to draw a point here, draw Mm -hmm. a comparison. But you got to do things. You got to make new content available for searchers to see. So, Phil, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you attended a trade show and what was it? Well, so we've been in this whole lockdown. So, if you asked me this four or five months ago, the answer may be a little different a little bit sooner. But I can tell you the uh, last one, I, I was at two in middle February, early March before everything just shut down. So I went to Social Media Marketing World, which is a conference, but it had exhibitors there, over 100 exhibitors, and it's a form of a trade show. And then, of course, we went to the Spokane uh, Auto Show. I don't know if it's International Auto Show, whatever. That was mid February, and that's a trade show of sorts. Uh, you so those are the last two, a couple, three months ago, but it's because we can't go anywhere else, right? Yeah, but before that, I mean... You- yeah, before that, we still don't go to a lot, but there's some after-hours things around here. There really isn't a whole lot. And to be honest with you, when you have your head down working and stuff, these things sometimes get pushed back, don't they? Okay. I mean, there's a, a buy-in, things like that. You have to, if it's out of town, you have to get there. So uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm not a big trade show person, per se, Kind of like the buy-in of blogging, doing social media. 
Well, you got to do that. That's you right. You got to do it. Yeah, you have to be committed at a even at a superficial level. You do have to be committed to these things. Now, uh, I I don't know if you knew this, but sixty four percent of all, I'm metaphorically using the hash, the the quotation Quotations. marks. Uh, 64% of all trade shows are private. Did you know that? Uh, so explain, what the, what does that mean? So a private event, associations, they'll have an event. It's not open to the public. It's only open to the members. I think you actually went to one of those events, Social Media Week. Um, it, it's a membership. You've got membership components that you go to. It's not open to the general public. It's open to people who are professional social media marketers. It's an association or an industry-type event. Large corporations, they'll have a job fair. That's right. It's not open to the general public. It's open to a invitation only. Uh, 64% of the industry is actually those type of events. And just about every professional tradesman belongs to one association or more, multiple associations in many cases. Every one of those associations have an expo, a trade show, a conference. They're, they go by numerous names, but every single association has one. And that's more than half of the industry when, you, when you're talking about exhibiting. Las Vegas is the trade show capital of America. There's 150,000 plus hotel rooms. They exist solely for the purpose of holding people who are coming there for conferencing. And it, it, it seems like that number is growing all the time, uh, yeah, continuing to grow. Yeah, they're constantly building. Last time I was I was in Vegas, I don't go very often anymore, um, they had just finished building Paris, and what's the one right next to it? I, I don't remember yeah, them I, all. You know, it, it's the, it's got, it, it's like Italy. They got gondolas floating around. That, that's the last time I've been to Vegas, but I, I see on pictures I, I don't recognize that hotel. I don't recognize that one. Um, I mean, we honeymooned at the Tropicana. <laughs> I don't think that's even there. I anymore. think it is there. Uh, we drove through Vegas and actually stayed a night in Vegas, uh, just outside of Vegas, with some friends uh, the end of February on our way down to the social media marketing world. But uh, it there's so much construction. There are cranes everywhere. They're building the stadium. They've got. I mean, talking about upping the ante. You know, they're bringing in the Raiders. Too bad they didn't get a football team. They do have a football team now. No, I mean a real no. football team. <laughs> Not just the name, an actual team that, you know, it's almost like performs the, well. It's almost like the NFL booby prize. You know, it's Oakland. No, it's LA. It's no, Oakland. No, it's Vegas. I think that's Cleveland. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, John Gruden's on, what, year three of a billion-dollar contract for 10 years? I don't know. It's By like, the way, that guy, it's that like paying penance. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That's your punishment. you got to host the Raiders for a a decade. Well, they're building a stadium for them, and and the building continues. There more hotel rooms, and you know it's funny you say they're the trade show capital of America with 150,000 plus rooms. That's for the trade show, the conventions, the conferences, all of that stuff. Now you bring in a an NFL franchise that you still have all the of those other conferences. Now who knows what COVID nineteen is going to do in terms of the future of these conferences, but. You're just adding. It's the buy-in is huge. They well, have to. Vegas has to make that work. Well, and as we're going to hear on Thursday, I I interview kind of one of the giants in the trade show world, Mel White, uh, currently vice president of business development for Classic Exhibits, and we talk about that exact question: What does the future 
of trade shows look like in a pandemic or a, a social distancing driven world. Honestly, being a trade show guy, I don't think it changes much. Trade shows are the number one lead generating activity a small business can do. Just like blogging is the number one search ranking activity a business can do for their website. But blogging doesn't even come close to what a trade show can do. I mean, if we think about this, let me go back to the numbers here a little bit. Over 150,000 hotel rooms, but the population of the city is only 644,000 people. That's something. So you figure an average occupancy of three to four people. The guests outnumber the population. Vegas doubles in size when the CES conference or uh, the SHOT Show comes to town. Yeah. Every single hotel is filled by these mega conventions. So they wouldn't be doing them if they didn't work. But most small businesses kind of lost interest in exhibiting. Most small businesses, they feel like there's just nobody of interest there. I, I get phone calls every single week from people saying, ah, oh, trade shows, I've never had it any luck by exhibiting. And I say, well, let's talk about your exhibiting program. Oh, I can't afford to display. It's not about the display. My favorite story, I was, uh, I was at the exhibitors conference in Vegas. This was... Oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Can't even remember the name of the gentleman, but he was, he was on the team that invented the, um, uh, the coating that goes on Doritos. Oh, is that right? And I, I, in a room full of 800 people, I stood up solo and gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> so this is coding C-O-A-T-I-N-G, yeah, not coding. C-O-D-I-N-G. Yeah, no, no. Because yeah. I don't remember seeing any code on a Dorito. No, 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 no. This is, okay. this is the good stuff, the magic stuff that yeah, goes yeah. around a Dorito. <laughs> the stuff that, that's so good for that, you. Oh. <laughs> so I, I gave him a, a, a one-man standing ovation. And Anyway, he told a story about he was, he was contacted by his boss to go down to Texas and talk to this uh, guy who, who had just bought into a barbecue sauce manufacturing plant. And they were having trouble getting it promoted. So being a specialist in marketing through trade shows, his boss said, go on down there. We've invested in this guy. Figure out how to get this manufacturing plant going and fill up their plant. And he's thinking, barbecue sauce in Texas? A new, a new plate. Really? Just how are you going to make this happen? The, the white noise alone, right? Because that's the one place that that's where it, that's it. Like, that's it, where it lives. That's like trying to bring a Japanese car manufacturing plant into Detroit. You know, it, it, it's a it's a saturated market. But right. okay, he goes down there and he gets to the manufacturing facility, and it's it's this massive building, and he walks into the building, and he's greeted by uh, his point of contact. And turns out this guy makes several things. He, he kind of invests in businesses and then grows them and builds them. And he says, all right, so you're going to be the guy here to take this barbecue business through the roof, right? And he says, well, I, I don't know. There's, there might be some obstacles. Let's, you know, let's start from the beginning. Can I take a look at the manufacturing plant? He says, well, yeah, sure. It's right here through the door. And he opened up the door. And they walked into the room, and there was this one machine sitting in the middle of the room. The room was maybe 40 feet long, 30 feet wide. The guy said, what's this? This is the manufacturing floor for the barbecue sauce. 
he said, I, I went in there expecting to see a hundred plus thousand square foot facility with bottling plants and stuff moving through the facility like crazy. Not, not 1,200 feet. Not 1,200 <laughs> feet. So he says, okay, let me ask you a question here. What's it going to take order-wise to fill this manufacturing process up? He says, oh, I don't know, about 1,200 gallons a month. Okay, I got it. And then he puts up a picture of the trade show booth because they were going to go to a Kansas City barbecue conference and they were going to be competing against all of those other barbecue specialists for their new barbecue sauce made from this plant in Texas. And there was no fancy graphics. There was a pipe and drape backdrop, a six-foot table, and a six-by-four banner. I love it when you talk trade show lingo. Just hanging up on the <laughs> pipe and drape with a very simple message, you know, wholesale barbecue sauce manufacturing. And he said, we had more orders to fill up that 1,200-gallon. We were, we were full for the rest of the year. Job done. Cost me all of about 500 bucks. So often what happens is small business people look at trade show marketing and say, if I'm not investing tens of thousands of dollars in my exhibit, bells and whistles, then I'm not going to succeed. I'm not going to get the traffic. And that's not it. Trade show exhibiting is about understanding, A, what you're selling, B, the buyer's desire to buy. What is it that's going to motivate them? This guy didn't go in with the idea of selling a pre-made barbecue sauce. He went in with a wholesale manufacturing option. Bring your sauce. We'll manufacture it for you. You got mom's secret recipe. You want to take it to market? We'll do that for you. So when you're looking at trade shows, it's not just a one-way conversation. In fact, I like to say in trade show exhibiting, you get paid on the information you get, not the information you give. Yet you go to a trade show and you walk up to a booth and they just start land blasting you with a sales pitch. Uh, I mean, I walked up to this one booth at a home and garden show. I wasn't even interested. I just kind of stopped. My back was hurting. I, I, I had absolutely no interest in what the guy, I think he had those uh, covers for the rain guard, you know, the leaf guard or something like that. Right, I, right. And the guy just starts talking to me. He says, do you know the benefits of uh, whatever this thing here is? He says, well, no, I, I don't. leaves, I guess. <laughs> and for 20 minutes, I, I just thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm in the business. Let's see just how bad this is. And, and he just goes on and on and on. And then he finally asks the question. So do you, you think that's something that we might be able to come out and give you an estimate on? No. The guy was just devastated. He didn't know what to say next because nobody had prepared him for the trade show floor. Ah, oh, dang. Oh, hold on, Phil. What? What's up? Oh, my upper back is spasming on me. Ah, oh. yes. Yeah, that's called computer neck. You spend a lot of time in front of the computer, so this makes absolutely perfect sense. Well, so do you. Why aren't Oh, why aren't you experiencing this too? No, that's easy. I consistently have a massage with Laura at Abandon Your Aches Massage. You know Laura, right? I do, yeah. I haven't even thought about the work. I, I do cause... I do, yes. I haven't even thought about the work I do causing these muscles to tighten up. That's the first place she starts working on is my muscles or... That's me. 
That's the first place she starts working on is my muscles around my neck and shoulder blades. I feel like a million bucks when I leave. You seriously should give it a try. Great idea. What's the best way of setting up an appointment? It's super easy. Visit ayamassagecda.com. But her availability fills up very fast, so you'll want to do it right away. Thanks for the tip. Knowing this is in my future, I feel better already. Just remember, Ed, abandon your aches massage. Relief, relax, refresh. No, but it's it's like these sort of things. Again, we get back to the transactional mindset. They're there to sign up new people, get leads, make sales. And, and it's interesting because you said something. I'm going to go back to that. The, the small businesses have stopped being interested in trade shows because they don't work for them. Why don't they work? Well, they just don't work for my business. No, you're probably not doing it right. You're not doing it right. And, and that's the same thing for almost any type of marketing that, doesn't quote, doesn't work. Now, there's going to be trends. You know, direct mails went down. They're back up, right? There's going to be trends yeah, and cycles. Okay? Yellow page advertising, I think, is still down. Yeah, and it, and it may stay down. But if you understand the right way of doing it, and look, we're, we're reverse engineering this. We are boiling this down to the, the very basics, right? And what you're saying is know what works in trade shows. And what we've been kind of uh, sold, the idea of the, the bigger, the brighter, the more fancy, that's what meant. The one I was telling you about, the car show in Spokane, I went to the ones that had candy in the baskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, imagine that in a COVID-19 world. They're wrapped candy. Yeah, well, there's still people touching them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know. That's what attracted them. Yeah. Here, get into this uh, lottery thing. You fill out the little thing and, and put it in and you'll be up for prizes. I'm like, I just, I just, um, what's the word when you uh, uh, write someone else's signature? Oh, yeah, forge yeah. Forge them. Yeah, I forged right. every yeah, yeah. name on the card. Yeah, and Mickey put, Mouse goes to a lot of shows that I attend. Well, you know, I took, at least got their name right, but I just on every one. It's like, oh, good job for doing. Yeah, right. you know, I. It just doesn't make sense to me. That's not. It's not working in that model. No, and it, it's because they lost track of the reason why they were there. I was, I was hired by a dental supply company in Portland, Oregon. Um, actually, not too long after starting my business, I had. Believe it or not, I wrote a blog article. Um, read this to understand ROI on trade show exhibiting before you exhibit next Wow, time. you've got blog article and trade show, yep. that one story. Well, you, you know, that's what I did. <laughs> Zenith exhibits. At the time, I wasn't doing websites. Anyway, I got a phone call from this gentleman saying, you know, we've, uh, we're having some major trouble with our, with our trade show program. Can you come talk to us? And they were local. So I said, sure. And I sat down with the gentleman and he said, okay, so let me lay out the numbers for you. Last year, we invested $360,000 to exhibit at this conference. I'm going to leave them nameless to protect uh, any folks. But we spent $360,000 to exhibit at this show. And on the floor, we booked $400,000 in business. The very next day, right after the crash, all of it canceled. We lost all of the business. So we wound up with an expense of $360,000 to set the booth up, tear the booth down, staff the booth, man the booth, everything, and we got nothing for it. 
I said, how big is your booth? So it's a 40 by 60. Come to find out, this is a premier exhibitor at this particular conference. There's only four of them. And this is the biggest company. So I'm, I'm sitting here talking literally to the big boy. And they're saying, we lost almost $400,000 exhibiting. What do we do? So they hired me. We worked on a 15-week program to train the salespeople to exhibit. Now, these are people who've done these exhibits over and over and over again. These are highly skilled salespeople who sell millions of dollars worth of this particular product line every single year. And they're going to bring a guy from a solo practitioner trade show consulting firm to To tell them them how to do it, to teach them how to do it. (laughs) And what I discovered when I was doing my, my due diligence is they were spending so much time at this one annual conference where all of their friends get together from around the country once a world, just once a year, just so happens to be there in Portland, Oregon, their home turf. And they would be spending 10, 15 minutes hugging, talking, chatting, not selling. And yet when I did the, the formula and I, I showed them, you have 16 hours of exhibit time total. The company is investing $300,000 plus to set up a booth and give you an opportunity for 16 hours of selling time. That's a finite amount of time. You cannot spend 15 minutes with one prospect. So the moral of the story here, and again, tune in on Thursday to hear a little bit more about the 10 questions, or excuse me, on Wednesday. So the moral of the story here is, you know, tune in on Wednesday to learn about the 10 questions you need to ask in preparation for trade show marketing. Because what, what I did for these guys was, you know, we set a good, excellent, and stretch goal. I said, so a good goal based on industry conditions, and this is 2009. This is still in the heart of the recession. I said a good goal is 580. Uh, an excellent goal is uh, 750,000. And a stretch goal is 1.2 million. And here's how I arrived at my numbers. That's the reason they hired me. Is because I had done the homework. I gave them numbers. I earmarked it out. And they paid me a lot of money. It was a great program. So on the show floor, we booked $800,000 in business. And by the Monday after the show, you hit your big goal. We were well over the $1.2 million. That's a four-time return. And the thing that we changed was time and handling of the response. The reason why small business people struggle so greatly with a trade show is they don't follow through. Another story. I went to my wife and I, she, we wanted to remodel the backyard. I... I was well past the point of being able physically to do it. So we went to the Home and Garden Show, and we interviewed landscape architects. We went to five of them. We went to um, the fall show. We figured we'd give time in the wintertime to do the designs, and then next spring we'll do do the project. So we met with five landscape architects. We told them, we're serious buyers. We're going to do this. We want to set up an appointment. I mean, this is gold. In, in the sales term, in the trade show world, somebody like me walks up there and is talking about a, a big five to six figure job. You know, this, it's funny you say this because that they didn't have to do anything. You're coming up and you're saying, I'm going to go ahead and 
stripped down to everything. We are going to do this job. Would you like to make an appointment so you can bid on it? Guess how many of the five called us back? One. None. Zero. Zero. That is unbelievable. None of them called us back after that the show. That is failing trade show 101 rules, right? Big time. Yeah. Because wait till you hear the end of the story. Oh, God, I can't. So we went to the spring home and garden show at the Expo Center in Portland, Oregon. Again, we met with every landscape architect on the show floor. There happened to be seven of them there at this year. None of them were the same as the previous five that did call me. Go figure. Yeah, well, they probably went out of business. They probably said, oh, this trade show crap doesn't work. <laughs> so we met with all seven of them. Guess how many of that batch called us? I don't know. One. One. My, my answer the first time. One That's called us back, and they got an $80,000 job. Remodeled the backyard, made it into our oasis. The moral of the story there is even when trade show exhibitors are prompted with a obvious hot prospect. That is a hot lead. They don't follow through. 95% industry average, 95% of leads captured at a trade show booth are never followed up with. That just really ruins my day. Well, but hearing it, I think small business people, you understand that all you need to do is pick up the phone and call them on Monday. So when I'm working with this big company, I'm teaching them how to capture information on the show floor in a very compressed amount of time so that they can move on to the next person and capture more data. Again, it's about the information you get, not the information you give. And if on Monday morning, a phone call comes in, hey, Mr. Anderson, you visited our booth there last Friday. And I, first off, I want to thank you for taking the time. How's the puppy? You were telling me that you were having some problems with your puppy. Is the puppy okay? Put little notes down. on the, That's right. You had mentioned that you were having some problems with water erosion there in your property, especially around the back corner, kind of on the east side of the house. I wonder, would you have some time on Wednesday for me to swing by the house, take a look at that so I can kind of get an idea of the problem? Versus not calling. Not calling. <laughs> or if they do call, uh, hi, yeah, this is, uh, this is Larry from, uh, from uh, Bob's Retaining Wall. Um, I, I got your number from somebody in the office saying that, that uh, you, you wanted a bid on something. Uh, can, how can I help you? That's not exactly how the conversation went, <laughs> but yeah. But which, right? which is going to be the one that has the better results? Oh, it's going to be the first one by far. So the, the, the lesson here is, is when we do exhibiting, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of energy that goes into the preparation. Why do we stop at the pre-show effort? We need to carry that right on through the event. So I, um, I have another client who goes to trade shows regularly. And the, they're, they're like gift-type shows, but it's not the gift shows. Those are closed events. The, these are kind of like um, one step up from farmer market-type exhibits. They're, they're in an expo hall, but there's no theme to the overall mix. They're just, it, it's almost like a swap meet. Right. But they go to these exhibits all the time, and they're, they, they get most all of their business from just four shows a year, and they live very, very well. So I, I, I talked to the guy here just a few weeks ago, in fact, and I said, so how's it, how was your last event? He says, oh, 
It was amazing. There was practically nobody there. Now, usually, usually you don't hear that, wow, that was a great show, and nobody was there. I didn't have to talk to anybody. But what, what he pointed out to me was, actually, it gave him more time to get more information. The person who's there talking to you at your booth, they're going to go talk to 100 other people. They're not going to remember you. That's the other reason. Shut up. Listen. When they're giving you information, ask probative questions that will get you information. And what this guy did was he just created a master database. He got their contact information, and he got every problem in the world that this person was struggling with. And he said it was the best show he's ever done, and it was like 25% the attendance Interesting. Uh, that he had ever done, ever gone to. Um, so the 10 questions, and I, I also call them the three circles. It's called go for the no. The idea is, is you want to be on your lookout for people who are there really just to waste your time. Now, there are people that do it on purpose, but there's a lot, most of them, they have no idea that they're, they're wasting their time. They, they think you exist solely to entertain them. So um, I, I suggest that you go in with 10 questions. You got three intro questions, three deep dive questions, three qualifier questions, and one disengagement question. And the reason for having three of each of the first three categories is so that when you ask the question to one person and then you ask another question to the person right after them, it's not the same question. Right. But you're getting to the same information. The idea is you want to qualify them on the spot. If they've passed the qualifier, then you move on to question two. If they don't, you use a disengagement question. You yeah. skip that the second and third complete uh, questions. Yep. So it's really a series of four, but we've got three alternates on the first, first group. Gotcha. And the idea is just get to the no. Ask the question. Let them talk make mental note. I even, I even give my folks, you know, a little three by five card and put it in your palm. You mind if I take a few notes while we're talking here and you write down their information, don't make them fill out the card. You fill it out. You know, that's interesting. I was on a cruise, uh, Gail King, part of the Oprah family and she's uh, with CBS news and all of this, uh, was on the cruise and we were at a party that Gail was at and she carried around a notebook all the time. And she went up to more people, including myself. What's your name? I'm Phil. I know you're Gail. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing on, on the, on the cruise? I told her and she's like, great. She's just jotting down information. And the next day when she had a fireside chat with Oprah, she's able to pull up these notes. But the idea behind this, this is very old school and she's a journalist. You write this stuff down. It keeps that lodged in your memory better right it imprints it yep. that's right and by the way the person that you're asking this stuff to and you're writing it down on a three by five card you're not putting it into a computer database it's you're writing it down and they now really think that you're interested in them on a human level we're back to human it's a really it's a win-win and i do that with business cards that i get i will put notes on the business card so that i don't forget because right. i'm very forgetful right so the idea okay 10 questions first question is probative to qualify them beyond that then I mentioned the three circles. So circle one, I'm never in the booth unless I'm, I'm ready to get more probative qualifier information. Unless they've passed question one, I never go inside the booth. So, Can you give us an example of what that first question might be like? Um, sure. What's one major challenge you're struggling with in your business? Okay, good. 
Oh, I'm not, I, I don't have any problems with my business. Excellent. Have you tried the hot dogs down at the food court? They are the best. I've been to many exhibit halls, very best here. Hi, what? <laughs> Move on to the next person. Um, so the three circles, circle one is engagement. Circle one is I'm standing outside the booth. I'm greeting people. I'm looking for that solid eye contact. The person who looks at my booth and then looks back at me. Okay, now I'm not going to be the pest. Rather than the guy that, you know, uh, you know just grab their hand. Hi. <laughs> no, don't get away. Grab their belt yeah, buckle and right, pull them back. It. Yeah. No, it's I'm waiting for the, some physical connection to what I've got. Then I'm going to ask them that probative question. If they answer it, now my decision factor. If this is a potential lead, now I take them to the middle circle. This is the inquiry circle. Now I get them out of the traffic lane. I move them into the booth. And by the way, this works just as well in a 10 by 10 as it does a 40 by 60. Sure. You just designate the space. And everybody who's working with you knows that when you're in that zone, leave them alone. Now is not the time to ask them a question. If they're out in zone one, ask them a question. Zone two or three, leave them alone. They're doing business. Don't find out. Don't ask, hey, can I get you a Coke? I'm going to go down and get a Coke. Exactly. Don't do that. Leave me alone. That's right. I'm doing business. So zone two is for the people that I'm going to just be extracting information and then disengaging. Zone three is when those rare times when I've either set up an appointment and I'm going to meet them in the booth or this is a hot lead. I'm going to set the appointment right now. Right now. Zone three is mostly what happens is I'll fill out the card. I'll finish talking to the person. I'll fill out the card, and I'll turn to my zone three chief. I'll hand them the card. Now it's their job to put it into the database. I go right back to zone one and right back to engaging the people that are passing by. The reason small business doesn't succeed in trade show is they don't go to it like they do their business. They go to it like it's a special event. This is, oh, I'm just doing this because my boss told me I got to do this. Or Ed on that podcast, Business Buffet, said you should do a trade show. Right. Everything you do has got to be done on purpose. With intention. Now, that said, do it with purpose, the disengagement. <laughs> yeah, try these hot dogs. Here's where you can really <laughs> use those time wasters to your advantage. Ah, I can't wait to hear this. Oh, this is great. So there's always, at a trade show, there's <laughs> always more people just like you. They're selling the exact same stuff you do. They're, they're in the same business line as you. And you're talking to this person, they just won't shut up. And you know they're, they're not going to qualify. Absolutely. They're not a qualified You know this lead. in 20 seconds. That's right, because this you've is, already done your diligence. You know what, Phil? I got a friend. He's right around the corner. Can I go introduce you? <laughs> and I do this a lot. They would probably love to see your face walk around the corner with another person. Well, it, it takes them. It takes them a couple of days to figure out what I'm doing. I and usually then the show's I usu over. I usually holler off to my booth reps because you never work by yourself. You're always working at least pairs. Gold time, and I I walk them around the corner or wherever they are all in the exhibit hall, and I'll take this time waster to them. Hey, you got to meet my good friend Phil. I really think they're a great fit for you. Phil, here's Bob. Good luck. Now, what do you call that? Gold time? Gold time. Because <laughs> while Phil is wasting Bob's time, I'm engaging the customers and getting the business. Getting back to those qualified. Is it sleazy? Maybe. However, it shows the point. Know where your competitors are. 
pre-show, walk the floor, get to know them, introduce yourself. Don't be an adversary. Be an interested party. Know who you're going to engage and take those time wasters to them. You'll get great Christmas gifts, I promise. <laughs> and then most importantly, there, I, I can't, even if you don't do the 10 questions, even if you don't do the three zone. Definitely don't call. Right, right, yeah. Um, we just spent 37 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Follow up on the leads you gather. That person's job, your, your zone three coach, that person's job is to document the information in its entirety so you can read it clearly on Monday morning. And don't do a thing other than make those phone calls on Monday. If you've got too many calls to make in one day, too bad. Make them on Tuesday as well. You keep making phone calls until you've exhausted your list. And don't do anything else. So ho- so often what happens is they come back, oh, I, I got to put the booth away. I got to reorganize the literature rack. I, I got to polish up the, 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 the van and put the signage away and go to lunch. I was and, just going to say, and then there's lunch. You know, they do everything they can, but make the telephone calls. You just spent thousands of dollars for the average trade show experience, big show about $10,000 investment and you're going to go back to the office and not call the people that gave you their contacts and said, yeah, I'd like to remodel my backyard. By the way, those are no longer cold leads. They're not. (laughs) They're a gold lead. Yeah. So the conclusion, trade show exhibiting, contrary to popular belief, is still the number one lean generating activity a business can invest in. Lead quality and quantity per dollar invested is pennies compared to the cost of digital advertising. Turn to your chamber, turn to your industry association, turn to your local conference center and complementary businesses for ideas on where to exhibit. The only wrong answer is not participating. With appropriate preparation, trade show exhibiting can generate more business than you can handle. Plus, you're not subject to the political whims of the host. You got a quote of the day for us? I sure do. And this has something to do with trade shows because at their very essence, trade shows are getting in front of people, right? Face-to-face. A lot of them, but face-to-face. From Anne Frank, I still believe, in spite of everything, that people are truly good at heart. Great quote. Great quote. Well, folks, thank you so much. You have a great day. And remember, Business Buffet, where you get your fill of all things business. Today's episode was sponsored in part by F1 for Help, where excellence meets computer repair. But don't just take our word for it. Alan writes, Joe is great, and he has very affordable prices. I just had my computer in last week, and he did a great job. Experience yourself by giving F1 for help a call at 208-687-0183. Thank you for listening to The Business Buffet. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Business Buffet Podcast. If you came in hungry for some substantial business nuggets, we hope we left you satisfied. Pardon me. We invite you to visit our website, businessbuffet.page. Until next time, we hope you eat hearty in business.